Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. This is last season, talking about Clayton Kershaw, one of the great careers in Major League Baseball, and I think for the most part, a surefire Hall of Famer uh, in my book and pretty much everybody else's. I, I don't think there's much of a question about that. He's been the best pitcher. I mean, it's him and him and Verlander for the best pitcher in baseball for a length of time that like it's not surprising until you it's really been that long like you look at it and you're like wow he's been around that long and this good well and, and and it's funny you say that long because the guy that i want to compare him to and i don't know what brought me to to maybe i've seen it in a couple of places and there's a lot of pretty fun stuff on dodger nation if you read that where they get a little snarky at times um and that's a uh, koufax sandy koufax mm-hmm. versus yeah, Clayton Kershaw. And you kind of have to compare them given, you know, who they are and, you know, that they're both Dodger pitchers like that. But I'm not, I'm not looking to do a troll thing. I see so much trolling if I read all the baseball blogs and, 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 and post that, you know, who's better, Willie Mays or Mickey Mantle. And so people have to defend the guy that they like and, and say, oh, no, he's much better. Like, the point is not to say he was better. I'm interested in looking at their careers and trying to make sense of, you know, okay, everybody thinks Koufax, when I grew up, was the greatest pitcher of all time. He only pitched 12 years in the major leagues, and two of those years, he pitched very few games. So he barely qualified. And and I always thought at the time going, okay, so why why is everybody a guy who really only had five great years of dominance considered to be the greatest pitcher of all time? Well, in part was because the dominance he had at the time relative to his peers is still almost unmatched. He was just so much better than everybody else. And I think it also is part of the time in that he was playing for the Dodgers in the 60s. Uh, he came up – well, uh, let, let me let me take it there. Okay. Yeah. So, and then you take it from here. So he came up in 55, which doesn't mean anything to anybody unless you're a Dodger fan because that was the year the wait till next year guys actually won. So the Dodgers had lost to the Yankees in a billion World Series, you know, and, and they were in the World Series all the time. They lost every – they finally, dem bums, beat the Yankees in 1955, and then three years later they were in Los Angeles. So you think about being, and so Koufax is a rookie on that fifty-five team. He pitches twelve games, and he, you know, he doesn't do very much. He's a wild. typical rookie season. He's wild, right? So he is, and so that's the thing about you know, you know about his career. And the same thing happened when I was a kid. Nolan Ryan was was a Met, obviously, when I was a you know a kid. He pitched in the '69 World Series, and he was a little wild to the point where it was scary to be a hitter up against him. And the Mets kind of gave up on him, one of the worst trades in Met history, and and let him go and turn out to be a Hall of Fame pitcher. But Koufax. You know, wasn't didn't really show that this. You know, he had it. You know, he was walking guys at a higher rate. In fact, I think he, you know, he had about half the innings in his first half of his career. He walked four hundred guys, and in the second half of his career, he pitched you know twice as many innings, and he had four hundred walks. So he figured it out. He figured he got that walk uh, walk per nine way down. So so they go to L.A. and in '59 they win the World Series. So they're only there one year. They win the World Series in '62. Uh, and excuse me, in '63. So and they win again in '65. So they win three World Series. Fifty-nine, sixty-three, and sixty-five. Okay. So you know, so how did he become legendary? Also, television, right? So the first time you could really watch a lot of baseball on TV, you're getting into the late '50s. It gets national. You're on, and so everybody saw this guy became like a mythic figure. You know, Kershaw. I mean, um, Koufax. That's exactly what I was going to bring up, and what I was going to say in relation to Kershaw is that. Because of the time that Koufax was playing, 
And the inability, because as much as, yes, he was getting on TV for some of the first time, the average baseball fan was not watching those games, but some could. And so the legend of Sandy Koufax could grow in this way because we he had eyeballs on him, but not enough to make as critical a judgment, whereas when Kershaw's pitching nowadays, yeah, you have the same West Coast, East Coast bias, but there's still somebody calculating his K per nine ratio at every one of his starts, and it's less of an eye test thing that I think Koufax was probably much more privy to. And 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 it was it was deserved, obviously, but you're right because you couldn't see it. It became like, could this guy really be doing these things that that he's doing? I mean, I just go through the thing that really impressed me is it was a different time in baseball. Was the the, the amount of work the guy did once he was pitching all the time, and so he kind of goes through his first four years, and he's. 54 and 53 is is Koufax. Nothing special. Nothing special. But then he goes in, in 1960, he's got 175. I'll just give you innings pitch first. But 175 innings, nothing special. 255 in 1961. Pretty good. That's a lot of innings. 184, a little injured in 62, the year they won the World Series. No, 163. Uh, excuse me, 63. I'm sorry, 62. I'm sorry, 63. 62 was um, not the World Series year. You're right. Uh, 311 innings in 1963. That was the year they won. Hmm. Uh, 223 in 64, 335 in 65. That's just... Wrong. And 323 in 1966. Of, uh, and now we're all wondering why Sandy Koufax only pitched 12 seasons. It's probably because his arm fell ding, off. Ding, ding, ding. Right. And so I was going to say that because you're, you're a big Jacob deGrom fan. And you can kind of see some of the similarities. So Koufax was throwing. They, they felt he threw, they didn't really know, but close to 100 miles an hour with a wicked 12 to 6 curveball. I think that was the first time he was described as a 12 know. 6 curve. He and so does Kershaw, obviously. Yeah. Um, and and so you know and and winning games. Uh, I, I, tell me how you feel about this. Like the, the, a lot of wins for the pitcher. Well, they pitch deeper in games at that wins, time. Wins, you know, it's interesting is we've been very anti win right, on right. this channel. But I think wins paradoxically for older pitchers means more because you were expected to pitch longer. So if you were a good pitcher from back in the day, you should have a lot of wins because of the way the game was played. Exactly, and it's more important because you didn't rely on relief pitchers. You didn't have the level of relief pitching and closers that you do today to save your win. It's not that wins isn't a good statistic for evaluating historical pitchers. It's a bad statistic for evaluating today's pitchers because there are factors that are outside of their control that prevent them from getting it. Where a guy, how many times have we even talked about in-world series games where guys have been left in or taken out one batter too many? I mean, we still talk about what Tampa Bay did by pulling their pitcher too early in that one world series and terry collins leaving matt harvey in so so you you deal with something that's much more outside of whereas back in the day the idea of pulling matt harvey if matt harvey was pitching in sandy koufax's shoes in that same world series game nobody on earth would have questioned terry collins least of all matt harvey (laughs) everybody expected him to leave get left it's just different today because now today we actually question that should harvey be in the game there so, so Kershaw, I think the other thing that really impressed me looking at as Kershaw, Koufax, I'm sorry. It's going to be easy to do that with the 2K thing. Oh, right? yeah. Um, so he had 35 starts, um, which, you know, was, was kind of like the, at the time, the standard the bear for the, the, yeah. the average, like 35. But then he goes off, he has, he has a bad season in 62. We said he only pitched uh, 184 innings, 26 starts, 40 starts, 28 starts, 41 starts, 40, 41 starts. Which, That's which, a four-man rotation, folks. It's a four-man rotation, and, and you just have to wonder when you look at those years. It's like, yeah, okay, that worked for him. He had those couple incredible seasons having 40 starts. But how many other guys were pitching those 40 starts in the major leagues back then? 
and they would have 30-ish good starts, and then they would just have like 8 to 10 stinkers because they're throwing 8 to 10 starts too many. It's like, yeah, of course he's going to get 300 innings. He's starting 40-plus games. Guys today would never dream of doing that. Right, and then and then you get the strikeouts. So Sandy, as we say, figures it out, and we'll go to that sixty-one. So the sixty-one through the sixty-six season, that six, that five-year, that's, that's yeah, that's, that's I think it's six seasons and all, right? So he has two hundred sixty-nine strikeouts in in sixty-one, two sixteen, sixty-two, three oh six, two twenty-three, three eighty-two, three eighty-two, folks, uh, and three hundred seventeen. So those are numbers that obviously we don't see anything like today because people don't throw that many. But innings. it's interesting when you look at those injury seasons he's had. You know what they sound like the seasons of today right right they, they couldn't sustain he couldn't sustain that without getting injured right exactly there's a reason why he has the 300 innings one year and then the next inning next year he drops off a bunch and throws away less because he was hurt that's not a coincidence so his era plus numbers and i, I like stuff like this i want to talk about era plus i want to talk about whip mm-hmm. okay so era plus 122 143 159 186 160 and 190. So that's how much better he was, 100 being the average, right, over the level. Um, and But the whip, I think, that's a great stat. Whip is a great stat. Walks and hits per innings, per innings pitch. pitch. Like, yeah. how much trouble are you making of your own doing, right? So if guys kick the ball around, and we should sometimes do that, like like if you have a really bad fielding team. Who, uh, okay, that actually would be a fun episode. Who is the most hard luck pitcher right, right. of all time? His team booted the ball oh, all like, around, like, so just, he threw about whatever, a thousand extra yeah. pitches. He threw like a, a, it's more unearned runs than anybody. There's somebody out there that's the most you know hard done pitcher out there. So up until before 1960, on 61 he had a 1.205 uh, whip which is not great good for a starting pitcher especially really now of a starting pitcher today had that he'd have a pretty good year so every year before that i won't read them off it was above that so he had he got as high as 1.6 when he was wild and inexperienced. Not good. not good but then but then but then he goes 1.03 0.875 and 0.985. This is when he's getting 40 starts a year. And (laughs) I I think people don't appreciate for a starting pitcher to have under a a one whip is wild. They just don't do that. Relievers, it happens a bit more often just because of the nature of relievers, because you're often only pitching one inning where you can max out your stuff. For a starting pitcher to be able to handle that for an entire season is wild. And Put that out multiple seasons in a row. And, and I think, and, and you've made the point, and I think it's true. So, you know, look, we can go back and look at the hitters, and, and we probably, at that time in general, and you had a hole at the eight a lot of the time and a hole in the nine slot with the pitcher batting. Mm-hmm. So Kovac got it. So so facing the lineup three times or four times didn't have the the bad impact on his performance uh, than it did with a guy like Kershaw. Right. I'd love to, you know, compare, because, you know, they were both facing pitchers. So you both can say for most of their career, for most of their career, Kershaw basically for all of against. Them. Well, I mean, he, against this American year. League games, you didn't have to. Throw right. But you're talking about an, a very Ryan, small Kirk, slice right, of right, the right. overall games he's pitched. If you would have to if you tried to average it out to like the number of batters that each of them faced that were hitting under 210. I mean, you're probably not talking about that much of a difference just because there's only probably an extra guy, maybe two per team that. Kofax yeah. would have faced that Kershaw wouldn't. I, I think, I, but Kershaw a lot of times didn't f- finish those games the way that right. that, that Kofax so, did. So it just it's just interesting because if you know if you ever went back through their career and calculated up the percentage of their outs against batters mm-hmm. hitting under mm-hmm. a certain percentage, 
I'd imagine that Koufax would be higher on that, but I don't think it would be by that much to explain some kind of crazy difference between the two. Pull that out. So you know, for, from a career record standpoint, I think if you look at Sandy Koufax's records, you kind of would scratch your head a little bit in the aggregate stats. Right, because well, he only that's, played twelve years, and he wasn't very good for the first bunch of them. Correct. So he had one hundred and sixty-five wins and eighty-seven losses. Okay, they used to make a big deal about winning percentage, like he won two-thirds of his. Starts. It is. It a is a little more important, than but that. it is interesting that old baseball heads, ER, like it's all about wins and stuff for them. And who's their greatest of all time? This guy that pitched like twelve seasons is one hundred sixty. Doesn't have two hundred wins. Yeah, exactly. No, they're they're willing to throw everything out, you know, because he makes the you know the outlier. So he had two hundred and seven, two point seven six. Uh, career ERA. That's very good. That's very good. Very good. He had, he pitched 2,300 innings. Uh, I think that's kind of interesting. He had 20, almost 2,400 strikeouts, 2,396. And he faced 9,500 batters in his career. So let's turn over to Clayton Kershaw, uh, who pitched um, a little, has pitched a little longer, obviously. A little this, longer. This, yeah. I think this is his 14th season right now. And his career war accordingly. Is- uh, is going to be higher because he's just aggregating. You're going to pitch more games. You pitch more years. Um, And talk a little bit about why we think you think actually pitcher war is not as important as, as hitter war. We use it as a, as a barometer to compare each other, but it's, it's way harder to estimate pitcher war over hitter war because it's really hard to account for a lot of things in a pitcher's given performance. So like, Let's say a guy goes out and he has a day where his expected batting average on balls in play is something like, you know, 750. He could win that game one nothing and throw a two-hitter. But he wouldn't be good. And you would be like, you would just be like, oh God, he just kind of got away with one there. So pitching war can be very deceptive because it's a lot harder to measure and create reasonable statistics. And what is the replacement level pitcher? That's a lot harder to identify in comparison to a batter. And, and Sandy Koufax had a war under 50 for his career, which normally would sort of disqualify you from making right, it into you, the Hall of Fame. But you look at the thing is, is that he has what we've gone back to that five, six year period of excellence yep. where his just happened to be. So it's the same thing with Trout. If a lightning bolt came down from the sky and killed Mike Trout today, he's already got was, it. He's already got it. He's in. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. that. It's like I remember we were looking at it recently, and you were like, "Wait, he, that's how good his stats are." Right, right. He doesn't need to play anymore. He's still a Hall of Famer. So this is Kershaw's 15th season, and by the way, he's having an amazing start Which to this is, season. It's impressive because everybody's been thinking he's been washed since like three seasons ago. But like Kershaw, uh, he's got 189 wins and 84 losses. So this being his last season, could he get 11 more wins? He could. But he could get to 200. Is that important? Eh. It, it, for, for him, it might be. Yeah, for him, it might be. For, just be able to. When he started, it was important. When he start, And also just to be able to be like, I got 200 wins. Getting the milestones always better than not. So career ERA at 248. That's. Okay. That opens my eyes a little bit because we would both say that the hitting today and, and during his career is better than, than it has been uh, over his career. Um, and, and of course, he had. Uh, He's pitched uh, 381 starts, uh, but he only has 25 complete games. That's just the the difference in the times, though. Pitchers just don't throw complete games like they used to in the way that. So, so it's like, I, how many did Koufax have? I mean, oh, oh, very God. hilarious. Yeah, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. I, I I'm just curious. Um, just yeah, let me let me pull that up because I think it's 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 worth looking at. Um, here we go. K- 
Complete games, 137. About five times. Yeah, 137. But like you say, that was the style of, of the time. Right. So, so, but from a wins-loss perspective... It did, they're, they're very similar because they're basically on the same track as one another. Right. That's why I think it was such an easy... easy to. They're both left-handed. They both have played their entire career for the Dodgers. They, they, they've kind of... And, and you look at it and you go, okay... The, the the more interesting thing would be what would have Sandy Koufax been like in a world where they load managed him? Uh, I think he would have pitched more years. Exactly, <laughs> that's for sure. If you didn't make. What if he only threw like he threw one hundred and ten less innings in those years? That he threw one hundred and seventy less innings. He was throwing two twenty to two fifty. Right, right, and that, that that you would think he would have lasted a lot longer. Um, and and so the career whip, and when we talked about that for Kershaw, is a tidy one point zero zero. Um, and, 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 and to me, that's, that's very big because of, he has thrown a consistent number of innings throughout the entirety of his career. So for him to maintain that 1.0 whip is a lot more impressive to me than Koufax is like 0.96 or 0.97 whip because he did, he's done it over a longer period of time. And, that, and that's a great point because if you go back all the way to early in his career in 2011, so just reading him off on the whip, 0. 0.977, 1.02, 0. 0.915, 0. 0.857. So he doesn't even get to one for a whole bunch of those years. Right, exactly. So he is consistent at that level. Where, and he has pitched. It's not like he's had that volume of innings where so much of Koufax's work, for better and for worse, is concentrated into that six-year period where it makes certain statistics, like the number of strikeouts he got for his career, much more impressive. But it makes things like the whip of his career much less impressive because you pitched way less innings and we're mostly only evaluating you on your peak. And we're talking about you know a guy uh, in Kershaw who, had tw- who has 2,700 career strikeouts, so he's not going to get 3,000. No. Right, and, and it's a whole nother season. That would or two, be kind of cool. Verlander has three thousand strikeouts, so it Verlander's a today. robot, though. <laughs> yeah, he's another guy who's going to be in the Hall oh, of Fame yeah. as well. And and you think about the other guys that he had to pitch with. So so one of the things I thought about was well, the, one of the reasons why you know your your good is your team is good, right? So Sandy obviously pitched on good Dodger teams, what being in the World of- Series in '55, and then they mm-hmm. won three with so, him. So as Kofa, I mean, so as Kershaw, he's been in a bunch of World Series, right? Now. But only won the one. But he's got one. He's got. He needed. He needed that one. And in fact, there's a little snarkiness on the Dodgers Nation site about how um, Koufax has perfect games, and he has supposedly the greatest game ever pitched. It's a 14 strikeout perfect game against the Cubs, I think, in 1965. Uh, and Kershaw, if it weren't for Hanley Ramirez, and this is written all over the Dodgers, and he's like just throwing Hanley Ramirez under the bus for, I, for blowing I, his perfect game. A lot of people, a lot of ex-teammates, throw Hanley Ramirez under the bus. He's not the most uh, well liked guy. No, but you know, boy. What a start to the, his career! Oh, this I mean, guy, I thought he was going to be a Hall of Famer right if at he, the beginning. If he had his head screwed on right, he would have been. But you know, um, Koufax is number two. Let's let's see. Do you know? I mean, Don Drysdale. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a layup for you. That's a layup. Drysdale's a Hall of Famer. Drysdale's a Hall of Famer. Another guy. If you look at his stats, way better than you expect. But but not aggregately. Again, another but, guy who. Again, he's got that peak. And 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 especially because those peaks were so high in comparison to everyone else that was pitching at that time, it's like yeah, there was like Bob Gibson, but even he was not really super contemporaries with them. Uh, like Gibson, over, Gibson came after a little he, bit. He overlapped yeah. with yeah. them. So like when they yeah. were the two best pitchers of that that time period, and they were far and away the best, or two, two of the best pitchers. Yeah. And, and in fact, I, I would say that that Drysdale to uh, Koufax, Kershaw really never had that other. 
guy. He had Granky for three years, and Granky played great in those three years, but not like the partner that he had in crime and having Drysdale there like Koufax did. No, because there was even because this is something that you might know better than me. Who was considered the better between Drysdale and Koufax? Co- Koufax. Koufax is like he's like legendary. So there wasn't ever like the like oh Drysdale might have been better. Well, Drysdale won a Cy Young. So and Koufax won a few. In fact, Koufax won Cy Youngs, and, and a lot of people don't know this when there was only one for both leagues. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. The only reason I ask is because, like, I think one of the things that's interesting is that Koufax, like Kershaw, has always been the best pitcher on his team. Great up point. In, up until like right now, where he's in the twilight years of his career, where I think there was years where you would have made arguments that Drysdale was better than uh, than Koufax, Had right? Better seasons than Koufax. I think while they were on the same team, I think that's true. Um, and I think the the what really helped out. Kershaw in the win totals, I think, is having closers like Kenley Jansen uh, when Koufax didn't. Koufax didn't need. He didn't have one. He didn't need a closer. The <laughs> guy was pitching for, complete games. Yeah, for for better or for worse, you know that probably hurt his win total a little bit, but it also helped his counting statistics. So I, I think you know Kershaw to me, you know, almost is is given a uh, not a, not a, a a bad shake compared to Koufax. I think the legendary old guys that say, "Oh, Sandy Koufax was the greatest pitcher I ever saw," and and for five years he might have been the greatest pitcher you ever saw for those five years. Well, I mean, if if this might be a fun episode, but what's your what's your bridge of pitchers? If you're talk, bridging greatest pitcher to greatest pitcher, era wise, era wise, you would probably go Koufax to Gibson. Uh, I would, I might pick Seaver over, over Gibson because if Koufax ends in 66 and had a brilliant year in 66 and then he never pitched again at at age 30. You're not, you're not worrying as much about the, the, the specific years, more just the passing of the mantle. Right. So so Gibson sort of overlaps that thing because he pitched before that he pitched in the 64 world series and he pitched. So it would be more. Seaver came a little later. Koufax to Seaver. Seaver takes you through the 70s, who kind of takes it over the 80s. Is that Nolan Ryan now? Uh, I'd say, well, Ryan sort of straddles because Ryan came he's, up at the same time as as did Seaver. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty much the same age, or they were pretty much the same age. Um, but I think you get into you get into like Roger Clemens now if you're getting yeah, into, and then the, you into the early Clemens the probably gives way to Randy Johnson and Pedro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking, so. yeah, and then that gives way probably to Kershaw. Kershaw and Verlander, right? And we're not including guys like Maddox because they did. He didn't. They dominate. were not. They, no, we're talking about dominance, right? Right. He didn't Maddox dominate. Maddox was brilliant, but Maddox was infuriating to hit against because he wasn't dominant. Right. You always felt like you had a shot against Greg. Maddox. Next time up, I'm going to get that guy. And that might have been part of his brilliance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he knew that's what you were thinking, and he was in your head deeper than you yeah. knew. So it's the same way Kyle Hendricks. Where like Kyle Hendricks, by all laws of baseball, shouldn't work, but he does, and he works amazingly well. So I, I think I think between Kovacs and Kershaw, what you get is to me, I ended up with a greater respect for Kershaw because the the career stats are not that different. The game is very different, mm-hmm. so that's why you won't. To Produce, the same kind of right. five-year period but in terms it's just interesting to think about that that the the unquestioned greatest of all time and a lot of old baseball heads is mind is the best pitcher 
actually has really similar statistics to Kershaw. Right, right. It, it sort of you know takes a little the wind out of your sails and didn't have that you know the longevity. He didn't play long enough. Well, well, when we let Kershaw do it, if you take away the first two years, he had ten years of of, of good major league play and five exceptional ones. I, I think it's or interesting because to me, the number of years really you play in your career, as long as you're playing, even if you didn't play the ten, I honestly wouldn't. If the guy had a brilliant nine seasons and then died, he should be in the Hall of Fame. But I think when you're talking about greatest of all time, length of your playing career is actually comes into fruition because it's really tough. No matter if you only put in six seasons, it's tough for you to you would have to be so much better than everybody and anybody that would ever Kind of like Mike Trout. Right. Trout, but Trout would have to but like to to get like to let's say you only played six seasons, rookie year to your sixth right, season right. after your sixth season was done, and they were fabulous seasons. You, but you, they would have to be so fabulous right. for you to be the goat because you would have to be so clearly the best person to ever touch that. Average eighty home runs a year, right? For hit, your six years, hit four hundred, <laughs> like, like to the point where people are like, okay, you can put the bat down because you have nothing left to play. And, and here's how we're going to do that. He was so good that you basically had him go oh for the three point one plate appearances for three seasons or four seasons to get there, and he still has stats. That are worthy of Cooper's exactly. Death. So, like, like we're going to actually charge him with the bats he never took, <laughs> just to put him in there, just to put it to in. And and I think that you know I do like the ten year thing because I think it's good to have a barometer I, there. But it's just it's just in the context of the yes, goat yes. discussion. Career length matters, right? Right. That that the fact that Kershaw has done this for that much longer than Cody Kershaw just pitting his fifteenth season. It's what makes Nolan Ryan so impressive. Oh, man, that dude could still go out and throw ninety miles. Same with He's Clemens. seventy years old. Same with Clemens. That's the that's the thing to people my age because Clemens pitched when I was a kid and he was good. Yeah. He yeah. was still good in those late seasons. So you forget that he was a 22, 23 year old fireballer in like the mid 80s. You know that all the listeners that, that, you know, are thinking out there that feel this way are going, well, but he was a cheater. And so, you know, I, I don't want to get say, into say that. Say you're a cheater to Roger Clemens' face. They get in a box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, don't, I don't think you'd want to do that. Um, and we could probably find some other comparisons that, that would, would fit as it would well. Be but fun to, it would be fun, actually, to kind of go back through and take – you could almost do it for every franchise. Who's the modern player that best represents the great from their past franchise? You know, how close is Acuna to Hank Aaron? <laughs> oh, you're going to get people really upset by going down those roads. I like it. Um, and we have our friend Adam Korngold who's going to do a data viz for Kershaw versus Koufax to see if there's any other little nuggets we can pull out. I'm sorry we didn't have it before we recorded this episode. I really wanted to record yeah, this but, episode. Yeah, we were really excited to. But be on the lookout for that. We'll let you know when it's posted. Or we'll tweet it out and stuff. And we'll come up and if you got some other uh, comparatives, player against player, um, the objective to here is to compare their careers and not sort of say, well, he was better than that other guy and I'd rather have him. Everybody always wants to have a winner in these it's, discussions. It's much That's more interesting a- to find two guys as careers who weirdly match up really well when yeah. you weren't expecting it. Like, like this. Right, right. Not you know, he might be the greatest of all time, but the other guy is pretty good too. Yeah. We talked about uh, having uh, our, our friend Adam Korngold do a data viz for Koufax Kershaw, and so we we held the episode a little longer, and Adam graciously went ahead and did it. Uh, for us and and of course it's great because it's really cool to kind of see things plotted out and see how things you know stretch over time and and comparative so we're gonna let adam talk about that a little bit and of course we will put a link to the tableau up uh, on the podcast as well so adam welcome back to the podcast thanks well thanks for having me back it's great to be here again so um I think we want to look at Kershaw and, and, and Koufax, uh, as we talked about. They're both great pitchers. It's going to be obvious. That's probably going to come out of it. I, I, I don't expect that the data visualization will show us that, well, yeah, one of them is better than the other. But why don't you talk about that a little bit? 
Sure. Well, I, I, I think that's a great place to start, that both of these guys are at a very similar level, and, and a lot of the differences are, are probably around how they're being handled as pitchers. So for both Kershaw and Koufax, and, and by the way, at this point in Kershaw's career, they've both been pitching for about the same number of years, especially if you account for the 2020 season that was basically a third the length of a typical one. So they've both been pitching or have pitched so far for roughly 12 seasons. And of course, Kershaw started in, in 08, but bearing in mind that, that 2020 season, they've both been pitching for about the same amount of time. And for both of them, their ERA and walk to strikeout ratio or strikeout to walk ratio rather has fallen pretty steadily over the course of, of their careers. But the big difference is Koufax innings pitched per year rose really steadily throughout his career. And, and that was actually kind of his downfall. That was why he had to retire after the, the 66 season. But Kershaw's work has been much more tightly controlled. So coming up from his rookie year in, in 2008, kind of peaked in, in 2013 and 2015. But then his workload has steadily decreased. So hopefully he's not going to burn out his arm the way Koufax did. And then Gordon said that, you know, his arm is, you know, Koufax's arm, why didn't it fall off? Because he had the 382, you know, inning season. And think like, how can any human being throw 382 innings? Yeah, it's, and, and that was ultimately the problem that Koufax had was that, and it's just what we've learned over time. That's why, you know, a guy like Kershaw can pitch so much longer is that managing his innings pitched, even though, yes, him throwing 382 innings in night in that one season is probably part of the major reason why they won the world series. Right. It's also why they didn't win more with Koufax because mm-hmm. that they, they, it's the Johan Santana, no hitter problem. Yes. We got Johan, Johan threw a no hitter for the Mets in that, in that one game, but he was literally never the same pitcher after that. And was it really worth it? So in the, um, in the different uh, database you did, um, maybe let's talk about, uh, and you mentioned inning pitched, Adam, um, and I thought that was really interesting first, because if you look at the company you keep over there, um, it's a very interesting plot out be- because of where both Koufax and Kershaw uh, end up, as well as a few other people that, you know, when you think about it, you kind of would expect to see there. Maybe a couple you wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a great place to go to. So, um first thing that, that I looked at is some absolute numbers. So the, the ratio of strikeouts to wins, um, because these are probably the, the things that most starting pitchers get measured by the most. And so these are set up as two by two matrices, which means that the upper right-hand corner is, is where you want to be for both of them. So both Kershaw and Koufax are in that upper right-hand corner, but Kershaw is farther up and to the right. Um, more starts, more uh, strikeouts, and more wins. Um, 185 wins compared to, uh, let's see, 165 for Koufax. But in terms of the company that they're keeping, and here I'll go by era a little bit. So for Koufax, some of the, the starters that have a few more wins than he had uh, are Jim Bunning, 
Don Drysdale, uh, Whitey Ford is there. Warren Spahn is there. He had 197 wins during his career. Um, but really no one in his era with more strikeouts, which is, which is pretty notable considering, um, you know, his, his relatively short career. And then if we look at Kershaw's peers for, for these absolute numbers in his neighborhood are our, our favorite Max Scherzer, uh, Justin Verlander, John Lester, and uh, Zach Grenke, who's been around. Actually, his rookie year was also 2008. So he's been around as long as Kershaw has, um, but actually has a, a few more wins at 198. So he's going to get his 200th pretty soon, probably, and almost 2,500 strikeouts. It is interesting because so, one of the things we talked about previously, you know, one of the points we're raising is both of them actually had very good running mates, which is supported mm-hmm. by this because right next to Kershaw is Granky and right, right next to Koufax is Drysdale. They're both pretty much neck and neck with, you know, Kershaw, I mean, with a Koufax having a few more strikeouts and Drysdale having a few more wins than one another and same mm-hmm. exact deal with Granky and, and, and uh, Kershaw. So th- they really each, it was not just one of them, but both of them had a, an almost equal partner alongside them through parts or all of their career, depending on which pair you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really says something for the construction of, of really, really good teams. You, you know, we, you mentioned Whitey Ford, too. And, and it's interesting because I looked at Whitey Ford and my, my dad grew up in Astoria. Whitey was from Astoria. So I have this thing about Whitey Ford because my dad played baseball with him a couple of times. Um, hmm. uh, anyway, um, Whitey Ford, chairman of the board, you know, great Yankee pitcher. And, and his strikeouts, obviously, were quite a bit less than everybody else. What really distinguished him? And, and, and I said, why is he over here? He's a Hall of Famer. And, and if you look at Whitey Ford, it's his, it's his record. Um, so his wins loss is so big a part that he, you have to consider him because he was on great Yankee teams from the time he came up. And, and, and so he had 236 and 106, but that was one of the only distinguishing things I really found about Whitey Ford's Hall of Fame career compared to Koufax and Kershaw. And I was surprised to find him over there on the, on the right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that's a great point too. And and you know, bear in mind too that we're just talking about the years that Koufax was pitching here. So, um, you know, you see here that that Whitey had only 191 wins during that time, but um, Koufax's rookie year was 55, yeah. and and Whitey was pitching before then. So, but you know, even bearing that in mind, he's still in that upper right hand corner. Right. It's, it's the dominance, as you said, the strikeouts uh, and yeah. innings and compared to every everything else. And so, so you know, having the good fortune to play and, and we don't value wins as much. And I, and I think that's kind of allows you to really maybe see Koufax's greatness even a little bit more because, you know, he, he mm-hmm. didn't necessarily have quite as many wins because he didn't pitch quite as long, but his dominance was much greater. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and I think another thing that shows that is is moving away from the absolute numbers and and looking to some of the ratios that are really important for pitching. So here I'm thinking of the strikeout to walk ratio and the ERA. So in in this in the fourth graphic at the at the lower 
right-hand corner, um, this is another two-by-two matrix, but in, in the interest of having um, the best in the upper right-hand corner, um, ERA is in reverse. So you see higher ERAs on the left and lower ERAs on the right because a lower ERA is, is better. Mm-hmm. And so what this does is it, it kind of corrects for um, people who had kind of shorter careers but still managed you know, some degree of, of really real quality in terms of their pitching. And so the, the people around Kershaw here are Jacob deGrom, um, with uh, a super low ERA overall of about two and a half and uh, a strikeout to walk ratio of 5.1, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. Um, and who else is around there? Juan Marichal also. And this this kind of spans eras too. Hoyt Wilhelm yep. is, is also in the neighborhood. So these are people who were around for a very long time. Um, other folks kind of in, in the area, uh, we've got, uh, Bill Henry, uh, Sonny Siebert, actually, I, I'm not that familiar with him or who he pitched for, but the you Indians know, and the Red Sox. Indians and the Red Sox. Thank you. Uh, Drysdale is also there, uh, <laughs> right, pretty right similar, near Koufax. <laughs> right near Koufax. Yeah. Pretty similar, uh, strike, strikeout to walk ratio, um, slightly higher ERA. And then Jim Bunning is kind of in the same uh, strikeout to walk ratio, but a slightly higher ERA again, pitching for the Phillies and the Tigers. Yeah, there, there, and there's some weird names in there too. So we'll put the tableau up um, because when I see Gary Peters' name show up, you know, on a chart like this, I'm like, wow! I never thought Gary, Pe- you know, he had like a good rookie year and didn't do much after it. But uh, he's over there with his, you know, uh, two five seven ERA and but a two to one strikeout to watch walk the mm-hmm. show, which is you know, right. obviously quite low. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. Well, it's interesting to think because you have some people that are like, you could have people on this list that were low because they just didn't strike out that many people. And then you could also have people that were actually pretty good at striking out, but they just have a terrible strikeout to walk ratio because they're wild, mm-hmm. like like not yeah. business. So it's just it's interesting to think about it, and it really tells you when you look at this specifically how much Degrom and Kershaw are basically in a league of their own. Mm-hmm. Because they're both the only guys that are like the only person that interestingly comes close to them is Cliff Lee because they're the only, yeah like they're the only people with above four strikeouts a uh, 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 four to strikeout to walk ratio but have an under three under three ERA mm-hmm. and I mean the difference is is you've got Lee that's over around like a, a two nine and then you've got Kershaw and Degrom which are both two five which yeah. Is just, wild to think about <laughs> yeah and and that probably says something too about the defense around them well and and, and in cliff lee's case it's the fact that he's never walked anybody so right. but he struck out you know was <laughs> this, basically you know it's and, and it also accounts for the fact that kofax we, we talked about this in the podcast in this podcast he had a lot of walks you know, early in his career. So his first few years, he was quite wild. So if you actually isolated out those first few years, he was even better in that strikeout to walk ratio in the last mm-hmm. six, seven years of his career by a large, a large part. Yeah. Yeah. If you separate that curve into two parts from roughly 55 to say 61 and then 61 to 66, it almost looks like two different curves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. 
Well, it's going to be there for everybody. So uh, thank you, Adam. Uh, we'll, we'll we're going to call you again because we have all kinds of ideas. And oh, you're please great do. Doing this. So and yeah, thank really you very enjoy much. It. You, My you, pleasure. To us. So um, thank you very much, and um, and we'll talk to you soon. That sounds great. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, and you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Google.